Hello and welcome to a very special episode of IMI's Talking Leadership Podcast. My name is David Larkin. This week, our focus turns to the people that make businesses go. HR is being tested like never before in our current landscape, with a fine balance between focusing on business growth and developing performance capabilities for the now and for the future. I'm joined by John Ingham, a people and organization development strategist. John is a HR executive top HR tech influencer, an independent consultant, trainer, keynote speaker, and analyst. His work helps companies apply academic research, new technology, and innovation to the way they generate competitive advantages through their people. John was welcomed recently by the IMI community as part of our People Strategy Network presentations, where he spoke about HR as a leading growth strategist. Okay, so I'm delighted today to be joined by John Ingham. John, how are things with you? Uh, absolutely brilliant, brilliant. And, and, and wonderful to be with you, Dave. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, so it's a, it's a great pleasure to have you today. I, I suppose I just wanted to start off with sort of a general um, question for you. It, it's been said that, uh, you know, people are the most important resource in the world. And I suppose there's no better person than you to ask this. Is that truer now than it has ever been, do you think? I, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we've gone sort of beyond that statement, really. Uh, you know, people have been saying that for couple of decades now and I, and I do think it's more true and I think people believe it um it, it I mean I talk about um I talk a lot about human capital which I know is a term that a lot of people don't like but I don't mean that people are human capital I mean that people are a source the source of human capital and I think capital is is quite a useful way of seeing the contribution that people make because you can you know you can uh, appreciate you can invest in capital you can appreciate capital um so basically the more that we um use our people or work with our people effectively the more valuable they become you know they're a, um a, a resource uh, that, that's able to accumulate so i think um i mean we're I think we're entering a world where people aren't just a resource for the business, but you know, businesses are a, a resource for people. You know, there are there are there are a mechanism to provide people to be as effective as possible. So we need to start thinking about that relationship very differently. Yeah, it's definitely an evolving dynamic, and I suppose just um, kind of coming off of that, um, as far as the employee experience, I suppose looking forward a bit, what do you see as being kind of the legacy of this pandemic as far as that is concerned, the employee experience? Uh, it's changed. Um, I mean, it's been really interesting. I don't think things have transformed completely, or at least I, I, I think the pandemic has accelerated the journey in the direction that we were already heading, you know, working remotely, more network-based organizations, more people centricity, the use of communities, all the sort of things that have been developing in the pandemic were developing before. It's just that we've sort of been catapulted a couple of years into the future. But I do think the future of work, you know, is still in the future. You know, we st there's still an awful lot of, 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 of change which we need to introduce. Um, and I think, um, a lot of what we've done today has been a sort of responsive approach to managing this, this new situation we're in. And we've done it really well. And I do think going forward, we need to sort of build up and move into a more strategic way of adapting as well. Um, you know, so how can we really make the best use of this new environment, which isn't going to go away? 
exactly yeah and actually just on that i suppose what are i suppose the first steps that you would kind of recommend to hr teams that to, to become a bit more strategic i suppose in their approach as you mentioned it's been very sort of reactive to this point how do we become more proactive and more strategic hmm. Well, again, that hasn't changed since before the pandemic. Uh, so, you know, what I was telling people and organisations uh, before, and I think what had become a more accepted way of doing talent strategy as well, is to focus very clearly on what we were trying to achieve. Uh, so, you know, what is the human capital, for example, that we're trying to create in our people? Uh, what are the principles that we're governing our organisations on? Uh, what are the the expectations of our work, workforce as well? You know, that's also become more important as we've become more people centric. So the clearer we can be on those three things, the easier, the more possible it becomes to adapt what we're doing in people and organization management to create those. So it's about moving from the use of best practice to best fit. Um, and, and having that as a a long-term vision or a true north that we're aiming towards. Now, I think once we've got that, you know, not everything needs to be a big strategic program. There can be a, you know, a, um, once you've got that in place, then the answer to my question changes because then mm. it becomes, you know, a more agile, incremental type of approach. You know, what's the best thing we can do today to move our organization forward? But I think that's very difficult to do effectively without that long-term focus as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there's so many things to kind of build on there. But I suppose um, in your book, The Social Organization, you do speak a lot about how businesses can improve performance by investing in employee connections and relationships. And indeed, that's something that we've touched on in our conversation here so far. And without these kind of face to face interactions that we're used to having, um, how have you seen in your interactions with businesses or HR teams, uh, how have you seen that they've been most successful tackling this kind of problem and what are teams actually doing sort of on the ground for lack of a better term um, at the moment? Sure. So again, this is something that the best organizations have already been doing. Most organizations have been doing, but not to the extent that we have, but yeah, in the social organization. Well, firstly, so the, the whole book really focuses on social capital. So I've, I, you know, I've mentioned human capital, the value that people provide to the business. Again, not the people itself, the value they provide. Uh, and social capital is the value provided by the way people work together. So it's the, the value of their, of their connections and relationships and conversations, or the, the value provided by the way that people work in teams, communities, and networks. And because work has become a lot more collaborative, you know, before the pandemic as well as during and after, um, social capital has become a lot more important actually than human capital. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a good example of that best fit type of approach. If we really think about best fit and we understand that social capital is actually the most important capability in organizations today, then it really means that we should be managing, measuring, developing, uh, rewarding teams and networks rather than simply people, which not that many organizations are. Um, and technology, clearly, I mean, it, it was having a big role before the pandemic, it's got an even greater role now. Um, and I think we need to use those technologies effectively and strategically. So again, you know, the, the reactive response has simply been to get everybody on Zoom. Um, the strategic approach needs to be moving much more towards asynchronous communication where people are working in their own time and coming together when they need to. And I think the other part of a strategic approach uh, needs to be 
rebuilding the distributed, more networked type of connections. It, it, it was the, um, the way that people used to bump into each other in the corridors or meet in the restaurant or, you know, the metaphorical water cooler conversations. I don't, yeah. I, I don't think anyone actually ever talks around a water cooler, but, <laughs> you, you know, it's yeah. that sort of, that, that, that's what people mean when they talk about that sort of thing. And, 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 and that's gone, temporarily at least. And I don't think we've been very effective in replacing it in networked communications using technologies. So, you know, in the Microsoft world, the use of Microsoft Teams has shot up, which is great, but we've not seen the same type of shift in the use of Yammer, for example, which is their mm. you know, more network tool. It's, it's that type of communication that we also need to focus on. Definitely, yes. And um, I suppose just kind of speaking again, just about um, businesses and how they're handling this entire crisis and I suppose empowering the, the people that they work with or who work for them, um, the, you, you've spoken in the past about the innovation of the reward process within businesses. And, you know, from the research I've done, it's, um, it's something that appears to be very much uh, at the forefront for businesses in their thought process going forward in terms of how do we retain talent? How do we attract the right types of talent and what kind of messages do we need to send out? So could you kind of outline the thought process behind this innovation of the reward process and how you've seen it manifest in business leaders' actions, especially recently? Mm. Well, I think it's I think it's something that more organizations are now interested in and are talking about. There aren't that many organizations which have changed completely to something else. And I'm still not sure necessarily what the solution is, although I think part of the answer is there is no one single solution. And, and mm. again, it needs to be sort of best fit for different organizations. But you know, over the last sort of 20 years in particular, so much has changed in the HR world. Um, most things that we do have changed around the way that we manage people, manage organizations. Um, you know, you look at the way we recruit people today and it has very little resemblance, at least in the best firms, to what we were doing 20 years ago. You know, that sort of... Um, uh, um, advertising the local papers we might still need to do that but there's a lot more creative strategic approaches which we can use as well um, recruitment's changed communication's changed learning's changed over the last 10 years performance management's changed that's been the last sort of big uh, practice area to, um, to, 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 to to be transformed so lots of organizations now moving towards ongoing conversation and dropping ratings and these sort of changes but rewards simply hasn't changed, I, I wouldn't say mm -hmm. at all. Uh, and there have been interesting innovations in areas like recognition, for example, you know, these sort of social strategic recognition systems, I think are, are uh, part of the, the way forward for many organizations. But the, the bulk part of what we do in reward is still, you know, very old, very traditional, and not necessarily that effective. Um, so, you know, the research is mixed. Uh, and and, and if, if there's one thing the research does point to, it's the fact that reward approaches need to be contextual. You know, what works mm. depends on the nature of the firm. But lots of things we do, particularly around individual bonuses, don't work that well, particularly as we shift from human to social capital. You know, so uh, individual bonuses destroy, well, destroys creativity, destroys collaboration. Um, 
and you know, therefore, a lot of the investment we're putting into the reward space, A, isn't giving us the benefits that we're expecting, and B, is potentially destroying our organizations in the process. Oh, and C, is wasting huge amounts of money. Um, yeah. So I think reward is a, is, a, is a big area that we need to get much more serious about. Um, just to follow up on that, John, actually, um, I suppose, are there any easy wins on that front for businesses you think that could be kind of implemented that aren't sort of um, transformative, but are sort of just getting back, I suppose, getting it back on track in terms of the reward process? Yeah, well, the um, yeah. OK, so on a, a purely um, uh, operational sort of level, uh, have a look at recognition, you know, um, uh, things like performance management struggle because people find it quite difficult to give and receive performance feedback. Most people love giving and receiving recognition. So it's, it's, it's a really easy human intuitive approach to introduce. Uh, that would be my first suggestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second one would probably be stop paying individual bonuses in many organizations uh, or at least start researching and, and, and doing some analytics to try to understand whether you are getting the benefits that you think you may. Um, but the, the strategic response goes back to my former answer. You know, understand what your capabilities are. Are they human or social capital? What are the principles about the way you want your organization to work? What are the expectations of your workforce? And then, you know, track between those two things. How do we need to reward people to create those capabilities in the context of the principles and the employee expectations. Um, and your answer probably isn't going to be what you're doing now. Mm, definitely. And I suppose just um, kind of continuing on that theme, if there's one thing I suppose leaders have uh, been forced to reckon with during this uh, last year or so, it's, I suppose, kind of reevaluating priorities, looking forward as well um, is a big thing. Like say we're, you know, suddenly kind of the next 10 years or, you know, from even a, you know, environmental sustainability point of view, there's a lot of uh, rethinks going on. So if you were kind of speaking to a group of leaders, um, what advice would you give them in order to kind of channel the people power of their businesses in, in the next 10 years or so? If you're kind of, you know, if they say, give me your vision for HR in 2030, what would that be? Well, it is best fit. Um, oh, and in fact, that links back to the, to the earliest couple of questions uh, that as people have become the most important resource in the world or, or, or we sort of progressed be, beyond that. Um, you know, when people weren't that important, it, we could do everything the same. You know, we, all organisations could manage people in exactly the same way and use best practices because it didn't really matter that much. But as people are now the most important resource and we need to compete based upon the people we have and the way that we manage them, um, people's strategy now needs to be strategic and needs to be differentiated. It does need to be best fit. So the first thing is don't just copy your competitor or a similar organization. Yeah, you do actually need to do the hard work now, just as hopefully you did for business strategy over the last couple of decades of working out what type of talent and organization your own particular organization needs. And there was a lot out there so things like sustainability, you know, it's a really good suggestion. It's like it's a great opportunity uh, for organizations to align what they do inside their organization with sustainability in their local communities and so on. Um, but that's not necessarily the right answer for everybody. And there's so many opportunities available that no organization is going to be able to do everything that they could. So, you know, the, the, the key, well, 
once you've created the focus around capabilities, principles, and employee expectations I was talking about, is building everything around that. Um, employee branding, for example, um, I, I think is, is, is still a huge opportunity for many organizations. And the big problem in many is that we're not clear about what differentiates our organization from an organization perspective. Um, and therefore, um, uh, sort of employee branding staff are looking for interesting stories to go and communicate, but actually the stories end up being just the same stories as the competitor because there's actually no real differentiation in terms of the way that those organizations organize themselves. Um, so the more differentiated we become, the easier employer branding becomes because we've got a clear distinction to communicate and actually the easier all of the other processes and activities that we need to undertake become as well. Um, so look, it, 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 again, it goes back to that sort of long-term and short-term focus. You know, the clearer we can be in the long-term, the easier, the more effective everything becomes once you've got those. But even now, there will be you know, easy wins based upon your own particular strategy. But, but even now, even before you create that long-term future, if that hasn't been clearly articulated, try to make sure that the, the quick wins you're putting in place are um, sort of oozing the culture of your organization. You know, that's the key thing. What's gonna drive your organization to be the best organization it can be, rather than simply just following the pack and doing what everybody else is doing. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. And it's actually, um, it's very interesting. We had Jacob Morgan um, doing a masterclass with us at the IMI very recently. And one of the things he spoke about in, in his conversations with CEOs was the, I suppose, that disconnect that exists in terms of um, the actual on the employee level, in terms of knowing what is our brand and, you know, how do we differentiate ourselves from others? And it's, uh, it was amazing. The, I suppose the responses he got in terms of the numbers of employees who were in many ways, not even aware, you know, in terms of the actual kind of, the brand message and very clear on it. So um, we'll just uh, look forward a bit now, John. And I suppose, you know, this pandemic is going to end as all previous pandemics have. Um, social distancing workplaces, um, you know, are going to become more commonplace. So uh, what do you see as the biggest challenge from a HR perspective? I suppose I'm thinking in terms of maybe teams being in the office at different times, sort of like a 50-50 approach to working from home and being in the office. So um what do you see as the challenges and, and maybe also the opportunities in that? Uh, so uh, uh, there are challenges and I agree that, that there are absolutely opportunities there as well. Um, it relates to the points we were talking about previously about moving from a reactive approach to a strategic one. You know, I agree. I don't think uh, this new um, remote stroke virtual or at least hybrid environment is going to disappear. Um, so we now need to think strategically, how do we make that work as effectively as possible? Um, I think where things can be done digitally, they should be done digitally. I mean, it just makes sense. Uh, it's, it's better for people's flexible working. It's better for organizational communication. Um, why wouldn't we carry on using all of these tools that we've become accustomed to whilst recognizing that they don't provide well, particularly from a social capital perspective, you know, those close relationships uh, and ability to collaborate and cooperate in the same way um, that um, physical connection had. So, you know, to me, it's 
how do we make the technology piece as effectively as possible? As I said before, I think a lot of that is about shifting to a more asynchronous working style. Um, so, you know, having a clear cadence where, pe where things do come together, but allowing a lot of flexibility about what people are doing and when they're doing it outside that cadence. Um, and then using the physical workplace to provide opportunities to do things that the technology can't, which are primarily around collaboration and cooperation. Um, we don't need rows and rows of desks, tables anymore. Um, you know, the, yeah. the thing, uh, I saw something on LinkedIn recently about um, some workplace design firm had invented this sort of surround screen that just went around your desk and sort of hermetically sealed yourself off from everything else in the office. And, and what a complete waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what you're going to do you might as well be at home when you go into the office you want to talk to people so let's rip out all of the workstations and just have some nice big spaces where people can get together with suitable social spacing um but you know in a context where they can see each other and look each other in the eye and you know it may be some time before we can um start hugging again yeah um, and, and actually we need to, you know, we do need to use the, the, the technology, the digital support and the opportunities of being together in the physical workplace and work through how we, how can we combine these, you know, A, to do work most effectively, which I think is the asynchronous piece, but B, to provide that real sense of, 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 of human touchness, which is going to still be really, really difficult to achieve. And um, I do think things like virtual reality are, are going to be a, a key mm. enabler as well, um, perhaps to help people experience a sense of um, proximity that we can't even do in the physical workplace anymore. Um, but there's so many, you know, questions, strategic opportunities. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's a really exciting time to to sort of be in organizational management at the moment yeah it's a, it's a fascinating time and i suppose um just to kind of uh follow up on that and and to finish up as well um so you, you spoke a lot about you know people kind of coordinating in the office you know getting back to this face-to-face -face. um and i suppose one thing that strikes me is that this kind of i suppose reshaping of how we work and the future of work and kind of reevaluating it, it can't simply be a top-down approach but it has to be bottom-up as well and highly collaborative and is that something that you would agree with and how important is that for businesses to get right if you know what i mean um yes it is important and um it's quite difficult to get right uh, because it is quite new um, and actually it goes right back to our first question uh, or your first question sorry, about um, people being the most important resource and I was saying we've sort of gone beyond that um, well actually even then so we you know even when people were just the the most important resource uh, you know you, you're spot on with your suggestion that this can't simply be a top-down approach. And I think that's one of the key insights that we've gained around change management, not just in the pandemic, but previously. Um, you know, the, the traditional approach has sort of been to announce a grand strategy, create some resistance, and then manage the resistance. Uh, I call it the Borg strategy, you know? Yes, <laughs> you will be yes. assimilated <laughs> in our new vision. And people don't like to be assimilated. So I, I think, Increasingly, our understanding has come around to the point that by the time you've created resistance, you've already sort of lost half the battle. Um, and the way that we avoid doing that is work with people 
um, so that even if they don't like the decision that you end up with, they've, you know, they, they understand that they've been consulted and involved and had their say in what the decision is going to be. Um, so I think all of that is key. And then you add on the piece about uh, yeah, organizations being there for their people rather than people being there as resources for the organization. Um, and, you know, it all becomes about inclusion, you know, working with people, developing a sense of community or physical communities where people can, you know, really come together uh, and develop a sense of intimacy, even without that physical proximity we were talking about. Um, so that they're, they're able to, uh, to come to informed, consensual, perhaps, perhaps not, but, you know, there were, there were different systems evolving to help people um, accept the main decisions made by a group. Um, and, 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 and for those uh, decisions and strategies and plans to emerge through that process. And all of the things I've been talking about in terms of, you know, that long-term strategy and those short-term um, approaches heading in that same direction, you know, those approaches need to be increasingly developed in that way as well. Um, so I do think HR needs a really clear understanding of what that vision is, but it can't develop that vision for itself. You know, so it needs to be really close to the people in an organization and understanding what their expectations are. And it needs to work with those people in um, creating strategies based upon those expectations, which are going to drive the business forward as well. So it is a, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a changed world. And, yeah. and, you know, we do need to um, understand that and replan pretty much from a blank sheet of paper. Exactly. Yeah. A brave new world, but one of uh, many opportunities ahead. Uh, John Ingham, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Great to talk to you. Before we go today, I'd just like to thank John Ingham again for his contribution and to you, of course, the audience, for your time and attention today. You can learn more about John's work at www.johningham.com. Be sure to check in for another edition of the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast very soon. Thanks for listening.